Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. On Merseyside, they are already running out of superlatives for Liverpool's new number eight. That's a lovely ball by Endo. That's Dominic Sobersley! Oh, that's electrifying! You just cannot even put into words the start he's had to his Liverpool career. But how did Dominic Zabotslai adapt so quickly to playing under Jurgen Klopp? Are the Steven Gerrard comparisons premature? And has any other Premier League summer signing had quite as big an impact? Well, let's find out. I'm Ayoakim Walere. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. I think he's just a natural-born football player you just get a feeling with someone who just knows and understands the game they don't overcomplicate it it's not a certain system or a certain way of playing that brings the best out of them they can kind of do everything and it's just natural all right let's do this so good to be back with us for this one we're joined by the athletics Raphael Honigstein data writer Mark Carey and also Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Rap. let's talk Zobertsly Neil the athletics Andy Jones wrote following the Merseyside derby last weekend he basically said despite never having played in this famous fixture before he took to the Merseyside derby like a duck to water just as he has done in the Premier League what are your thoughts on Zobertsly's time at Anfield so far He's looked the business and he's enjoying himself, I think. I think there's some players who find a moment at a club, make a move at the right time and find that they can they can become themselves. Uh, and I think Liverpool, we've been fortunate on that on a few occasions. Historically, I can think of Fernando Torres being an example where suddenly he's in, it suits, it all makes sense straight away and he can go from there. And I think that that's not, it's not as simple as the idea of you know sticking the ball in the back of the net or anything like that. I think just sort of the moment being right, the right, right for the person, right for the club and moving itself along. And that's where I think Sobersly's found himself this season. He's come into, a obviously, a much-changed midfield. He's claimed a spot, made it his own. He knows he's getting picked. He's got that assurance. And he plays as though he's got the complete trust of his teammates. He plays as though he's got complete trust in his body, complete trust in his surroundings. And he's excellent in almost everything that he does. Rafa, I mean, it's his birthday today, 23 years old. From a Bundesliga perspective... Are you surprised at how quickly he settled into life at Liverpool? I'm surprised about everything when it comes to Soboslai. His position, his adaptation, his impact. Uh, I was really not sure where he's going to fit in because the last two and a half years at uh, Leipzig, well, the first year, first half year he hardly played because uh, he arrived injured. I'm not sure he even got on the pitch. But we saw him as a number 10 or mostly as a right-sided winger or inside number 10. And I thought, that's interesting. It's going to be another option for the three front players that Liverpool play, maybe even on the other side. But I couldn't see him in that three-pronged midfield. But of course, Liverpool being far smarter than me when it comes to scouting players, I think looked back at his time at Salzburg, where he was a left-sided midfielder, so playing just behind the forwards, and saw what an impact he had. But even 
knowing this, I'm still shocked, I must say, to see him play so well in, in a midfield position in a system as demanding as Liverpool's, in a league as demanding as the Premier League. And uh, doing all of this without losing his touch when it comes to doing the slightly more creative things further up the pitch. I think it's helped as well that with Liverpool playing a, a three box three, you've got the sort of the the four in midfield, and that has helped from him coming from from RB Leipzig, where they were playing a four two two two, and on occasion a four two three one. So I think it's helped with his sort of transition into the Liverpool side that that side of things is familiar, but. He still has played a lot deeper, to Rafa's point, he's played a lot deeper and more centrally you know, this season compared to last. And I, I looked into the, the data on it that nominally speaking, obviously thinking about the, the type of formations that, that Liverpool and RB Leipzig had last season, but nominally he played just 6% of his total minutes as a central midfielder for Leipzig in the league last season. And so far this season, we're talking about 89% of his, his minutes as a central midfielder. So to, again, to Rafa's point, it's something that Liverpool identified but had we just been basing it on the the positions that he played last season or during his time at RB Leipzig at the very least then we would have maybe thought this this wasn't quite as possible but he's uh, he's made a laughing stock of that idea <laughs> and Neil what was uh, the reaction from I guess a Liverpool perspective when you heard about this Hungarian Zobotsla who's now captain of the national team actually coming to, to to Liverpool was there wonder you know obviously McAllister came from Brighton which obviously Many people would have seen how he played, but you've got this kind of unknown entity coming to, to the club. No, no, there's tons of excitement. Liverpool spend that much money on a player, there'll always be excitement. I think that, you know, if you speak to most Liverpool supporters, their conversations about Liverpool's transfer policy is that everyone very much backs Liverpool to buy the right player. The question mark often comes whether or not Liverpool do enough of the buying uh, rather than whether or not when they do buy, they get it right or wrong. So the idea that Liverpool put this much money on a player, everyone was excited by him in prospect immediately. And that's, you know, it's an interesting thing. One of the reasons why we all, I think, have massive amounts of faith in Liverpool buying the right player is because they are quite selective when they do buy. So it's, but people would like Liverpool to buy more, which, you know, is, is, is an understandable argument. But the flip side of it is maybe why they get it right as often they do is because they are very, very deliberate when they do decide to spend big money so in this instance you know I think they've got what they would have anticipated but I think a massive part of this is that it's a journey we've seen with a few other signings under Klopp Wijnaldum's a very good example of someone where everyone thought Liverpool were getting an attacking midfielder who had a lot of number 10 slash left-hand sided forward stylings who very quickly becomes an 86 or a 68 depending on how you want to sort of frame it and that's what he does for Liverpool for the most of his tenure but then when required he was more than capable to, to play a slightly more expansive game and pop up with a big goal uh, here and there and you feel as though Sobber's like could be on a similar-ish journey uh, around this where you know he's part of a cog in a more expansive Liverpool midfield at this point but he's still a cog within that midfield and one that's excelling as at being a cog but when required, will he be the player who, for instance, pops up with a goal late at the Etihad, the end of November, when Liverpool are 1-0 down and they need something? Is that going to be the source of the, the the style of football that he's going to continue to become as he, as he gets moulded at Liverpool? I think the idea of being able to do a lot of what Henderson was being asked to do with a bit more on top and especially burst past Salah into that space, I think Sobberslai has just obviously got 
much more scope to do that. He's much more all the way through the back end of last season in the three box three when Liverpool were playing it. Henderson kept making runs and they were all dummy runs. And the reason why they were dummy runs is none of his teammates wanted to pass to him in those areas. But Sobersly makes that run. Salah's looking to feed him straight away. If Trent's behind, Trent's looking to feed him, have him explode into space and be able to show what he can do around the opposition penalty area. So I think he's got a lot of those aggressive actions that you saw from Henderson, the ball recoveries that you saw from Henderson, but he's able to add more in those areas, especially in the final third and especially being able to run both with and without the ball at pace and then deliver quality. I think on the note of his attacking contribution right at the the top end, you think about things like chances created and, and shots and things like that. But I saw something from Opta. I think this was before the, the Everton game. So you have to forgive me for the absolute updated numbers, but it's still quite illuminating of... His, his involvement in the attacking sequences in general. So, as I say, adding the shots, chances created, and the involvement in the build-up to the shot. Yes, he's played more minutes than I think any outfield Liverpool player in the Premier League, but he's also top of that list in that regard. So thinking about the, the build-up to the shot, to, to Neil's point about just how much he's involved in all parts of the game, then it really shows that he's he's uh, integral in that regard. And I, I looked a little bit deeper at the, the numbers and I won't go into too much depth here in terms of expected threat, but this is a metric expected threat, which looks at the overall contribution of a player, irrespective of the you know expected goals. It works back from that towards how much is this player contributing to our team's likelihood of scoring a goal. And Sobosly's non-shot expected threat per 90 so far this season is is third only to Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold. So it's thinking about the, you know, beyond those shots and chances created, as I say, his contribution towards the, the wider attacking structure is clear to see on the pitch, to, to Neil's point, but it's also backed up by the numbers as well. Who else was sniffing around him? Because we're looking at about these numbers. We're talking about, you know, the surprise of this player coming to the Premier League and, and doing great stuff. I'm sure Liverpool were not the only team looking at the potential of this young man coming to, to their squad. No, of course not. I mean, there were many teams uh, looking at him. But uh, again, I think it's, it's perhaps about the imagination or the vision of playing him where Liverpool played. I think a lot of teams looking for a number eight midfielder as he's effectively become... Uh, didn't see him in those terms. They would have seen him uh, as a 10, uh, as an inside forward. And the numbers that he put up there were good, but there was always a sense for me that actually he should be doing a bit more because he's got so much quality, so much poise, um, is so good on the ball. And he hadn't, for an attacking midfielder, I think, put up enough of those numbers uh, for people to really think, okay, I'm going to put a lot of money behind this. I think when uh, when I was asked, you know, how is he going to do... I was quite cautious in my assessment because uh, there was always a sense for me that actually we should see more of him and perhaps that he was a victim of modern football not affording players like him the number 10 luxury that he would have had maybe 20 years ago to just pull the strings and does these little flicks and beautiful things that he can do. I guess I underestimated just how, how tough he could be, how high his work rate is. And again, I think Liverpool seeing something in him that others didn't managed to, I'm not sure uncontested, but definitely steal a march on the competition because they were scouting him for a position that I think most clubs at that level perhaps hadn't thought of at this moment in time. And that's, I think, where the real, the value of the deal was. They they scouted a, a number eight, whereas everyone else thought he's a number 10 or a sort of inside winger. And uh, for that, perhaps he wasn't that exciting. The, the, there's a key part of this is he come to win. 
And I think there's another aspect of when we talk about Liverpool scouting, they seem to me to be very good at getting the sort of people Jurgen Klopp wants to work with, not just the idea of the sort of technically gifted footballer. So very early in the season, he's, he gives an interview uh, to a number of journalists in the Liverpool area and they say, you know, who do you think is going to win the league? And he says, Liverpool. And a couple of them laugh. And he says, I don't know what you're laughing at. That's the job and that's what I'm here to do. And I think that that idea of him being ready to do the hard work, as, as, as Rafa says, I think that that's back to this idea of the moment meeting the man. You know, I think that there's a certain thing here where he's come to Liverpool because he wants to win every trophy he can in the game and that's a good moment and that's a good reason to come to Liverpool as far as I'm concerned that's the reason I want players to come to Liverpool Yeah Rafa I'm just going to allow you a, a moment to just to enthuse about the Bundesliga because I still think at this moment in time if you're a young attacking player I can't see a better league right now than the Bundesliga to really nurture your talent. To look at Musa Diaby, who's gone to Aston Villa. You know, I look at obviously Jadon Sancho before he came to Manchester United. Haaland, let's not forget, you know. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, largely speaking true. The Bundesliga produces the most goals of the top five leagues for, I think, almost uninterrupted the last 30 years. At the moment, we're running at a quite ridiculous 3.5 uh, goals per, per average on each game. And for attacking mid, uh, players, midfielders, strikers, um, you know that your team will, will create chances and the opposition will probably try to press high, which once you play through the press, you have lots of space and you can score goals. And it's expected of you as a club to, to play that way. You have very few clubs, if any, even at the bottom of the table, who go out and say, we just want to destroy the game. We just want to park the bus. And of course... It's, it's also a testament to the Bundesliga club scouting. They don't produce, unfortunately, all of these players, but they manage to get them in at a very young age. I'm thinking of Nkunku as well, who's going to be an absolute superstar the moment he steps on the pitch for Chelsea. Unbelievable player. You mentioned already a few. We could also mention um, a certain Roberto Firmino, who hasn't done too badly for Liverpool, mm -hmm. uh, coming from the Bundesliga. So there's many who I think take this as the starting point to their career and know that it's a pretty sweet spot and in terms of the money available the crowds the ability to play Champions League if you're in one of the top four or five clubs but a pressure that except Bayern and Dortmund is also manageable I think for young players You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akinwalere This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com In comes the corner, which caused some problems. And someone's like, it's it! What a start for Liverpool! And what a hit, by the way! From the moment he came in, I don't think I've seen many players kind of like, you know, the fans take to him straight away, you know, with his, his kind of energy, his ability, the class act. You know, someone before called him the Hungarian Stevie G. I think he's, he's got, got a little bit swagger about him. <laughs> he's got the eight dog on, the, on his back. 
All right, let's talk about comparisons to Steven Gerrard. I mean, I personally haven't seen it because I've not seen enough of Zobert's lie. Where do we go with this? We've got to calm down. Listen, he's six foot, he's six foot two, strikes the ball absolutely brilliantly, looks like he could play any position on the pitch. Uh, where's number eight? You know, these are all, is, is a similar age as to when Gerrard really got to sort of grips with what his role was going to be in the Liverpool team. These are all things that he has in common with Gerrard, but he has that in common with a hell of a lot of other midfielders, uh, to be frank. You know, you can list a lot of midfielders who, who Stephen had a lot in common with. And, you know, Stephen himself ultimately goes on a different journey to the one that's so far been depicted for Zobbers where, for instance, you know, to take Rafa's thing of him being a, a wide forward, a 10, he's now moved back Stephen did all of his best work well not all of his best work but a lot of his best work that I most enjoyed certainly around building a season when he moved to wide midfield and went into playing 10 from being a holding midfielder you know Stephen gets over 25 league goals I think one season playing behind Torres which is just outrageous numbers for any player let alone one who you know in lots of ways viewed himself as a, someone who wanted to be a deep line midfielder and knock the ball around uh, and win his battles you know it, it's an odd career in lots of ways Gerrard's and he's actually I think in a footballing sense a bit of an odd personality type you know there's a lot of footballers who've got nowhere near his gifts uh, who were determined to be the best player on the pitch and give it the big one at every opportunity and yet you felt at times as though Steve would be quite glad to play in a 4-4-2 sit next to Xabi Alonso and have other people have the big moments Sobersly's gone on the alternative journey to that but obviously there are a few similarities and whilst he plays for Liverpool that will be there uh, as a comparison I think ultimately you've got to let him be the footballer he is but also in the era that he's in Liverpool you know this season they certainly do not want Dominic Sobersly needing to have six or seven Roy of the Rovers moments if we're going to achieve what we want to achieve I'm happy for him to have two or three at key moments come April and May don't get me wrong and that could be there for him but you know Gerrard often was by some distance the best Liverpool player on the pitch in any given game whereas Soboslai gets to be a supporting party gets to make Trent Alexander-Arnold better gets to make Mo Salah better gets to commune with Darwin, Darwin Nunez which must be a wonderful and semi-religious experience so I think that we can across the board allow Soboslai to be the player he's going to be which is is a cog in a Liverpool machine that you know I hope and think and, and we'll know more in three games time but as a pathway to breaking 90 points to do that you need everyone functioning quite consistently week in week out I think Liverpool are on that journey we need to let that journey sort of happen and play out and not worry too much and if in the meantime he gets four or five 25 yards is great but I don't want him becoming a footballer who feels the need to try four or five 20 yarders every single time he's on the pitch because he feels as though he needs to make it happen I'd rather he was part of Mark's statistical models where we're talking about growing expected threat by virtue of, of playing in and playing alongside his teammates and getting the best out of them than the idea that he, he gets himself into a state in January where he feels like he needs to save the day One of the things Gerard was good at that winning mentality you said earlier that you probably wanted him to step up a bit more in, in the Bundesliga. Now we're seeing that. Do we get a sense that there's a mentality here to be a top, top player from this young man? Well, absolutely. And I think in a, in a strange way, the added workload that he's got Liverpool has perhaps helped to bring out that motivation, that uh, determination that uh, was always there because otherwise you don't make it from a small place, a relatively small place in uh, in Hungary to to Liverpool or to even RB Leipzig, uh, there is a huge commitment. There's, uh, I think, a, a real professionalism as well. Once he started working really hard at Salzburg and had to adapt his game from the more luxurious um, sort of teenage number 10 type, he has already made a huge step up and that progress is continuing with Liverpool. But just to echo Neil's point, 
Klopp, as we know, takes a lot of time talking to players before Liverpool make a move. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there were personal meetings or at the very least some very lengthy Zoom calls. And Klopp always makes sure, especially when that much money is involved, that this is a guy who fits into the team, who's willing to do the hard work. And no, I would actually correct myself, not just willing to do the hard work, but has a natural affinity, a natural lust for working that hard. Because I think it's one of the conviction of these type of coaches that ultimately this is not something you can really coach. You might get somebody who doesn't want to run to run a bit more, but it's much better to buy the player who already has all that. Certainly at that age, I think it's too late to change players. And that's the sort of thing that Klopp and of course the data people would have looked at very carefully before pulling the trigger. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Ayo Akinwalere. McAllister will help it away. It's a lovely ball as well. Darwin Nunez has an open expanse of turf to run into. He has support. He has Mohamed Salah. And Liverpool have a second goal. Oh, it's the perfect breakaway from Liverpool. Pinpoint precision from Mark, Darwin I don't know if you saw the, the, the Everton match, but you're looking at Darwin Nunez coming up in the back end of the game and Zobertslide still steaming up the field, still supporting his attackers. I mean, that engine is gold dust for, 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 for a football team. And that dedication is gold dust. We talk about Steven Gerrard's dedication, but I mean, he offers Liverpool this. Yeah, it's it's the engine and the intensity of those that that run, and I think it's kind of done the rounds on on social media a little bit to to show just how much in the the dying moments of the game it was a it was an intelligent run. It wasn't just for the sake of running, which I think is to to both of the guys' points just how key that is. It was to to drag or to to make a sort of a shadow run to make sure that Salah had the the space to essentially get a tap in in the end. So it's the engine overall to to cover a lot of distance, but to, to again to both of the guys' points, it's just how much he's willing to to do it on the edge the the, the whole time. Which the pessimist in me thinks that okay, he's he's played more than any other outfield player for for Liverpool in the Premier League this season. I really hope he doesn't get overplayed when he's he's sprinting so much. He's making such intense runs that he, he's definitely conditioned to to do that, given his his background in the Red Bull system. But you really hope that he doesn't pick up any muscular injury for for that reason. But you know, thinking about the the data and the recruitment from from the summer of looking at his his numbers last season, I actually got it. I, I did a piece just as he he arrived and looked at his his overall sprints and uh, intensive runs and no RB Leipzig teammate registered more intensive runs than Soboslai last season, 2069 in the Bundesliga. So he's already been posting these numbers that we know that he's more than capable of, of replicating in the in the Premier League, especially in a in a Klopp system. But the numbers which which I find interesting this season, and yes, we've got to acknowledge that he has played the the most minutes of an outfield player, as I say, for Liverpool. But no Liverpool player has made more pressures uh, in the Premier League this season than Soboslai's 209. So we can talk about everything on the ball, but as we say, that engine and that desire to, even if you can't be the one to win the, the ball back yourself, to just shepherd a player either towards the touchline or towards another teammate. And I think we saw it in the early stages against Everton where he just, just chased Dwight McNeil, I think, in the first few minutes and just until he put it out of play. And I think that's, as much as anything, the... The things, and Neil will be able to, to expand upon this, the things that in, 
endear himself to the to the fans and make it such a seamless transition not just his undoubted quality on the ball but how willing he is to win the ball back immediately after he loses it and as I say that's that comes from from being in an RB system Obviously, that does indeed to supporters. Just very quickly, there's a couple of things on that. One, at the minute, Liverpool can decide how much midweeks a Sobbers lies business. And I think Liverpool are actually doing a very good job at the minute that's perhaps going under the radar that they're using the midweek games to manage fitness. Not in the idea of resting people, but in the idea of topping them up in terms of rhythm, making sure that they are busy, making sure that they're doing enough. So Sobberslide's got off the bench a couple of times midweek, but it's only been off the bench. Salah, for instance, starts the game against Union uh, and plays only the first 45, comes off from there. I think Liverpool are using those games, not just the idea in a bit of a football manager sense of sit them down and wrap them in cotton wool. That's not what Liverpool are doing. They're trying to use the squad and use the five subs to ensure that people are just getting enough time on the pitch to make sure that they're raring to go but not being overplayed the other thing I point out is that run in the second the late in the Merseyside derby Liverpool had three or four opportunities to do that in the first half and what actually happened was four Liverpool players including Sobberslie ran forward as quickly as humanly possible and all got in each other's way to me part of being a good coach but also being a footballer who's ready to be coached is that you learn and I suspect that will have been something that was pointed out to Liverpool in the second half was it's not just enough to sprint forward as quickly as possible and Sobberslay actually slows his run to ensure Nunez has got room to play the pass through to Salah whereas in the first half my god did Liverpool manage to get into each other's way on about three or four occasions when they really should have been taking those opportunities to take the game away from Everton You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimolev It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, this is really interesting because yesterday we were talking about the impacts of, of, of summer signings, midfielders in particular, actually. James Madison, obviously, for Spurs, Declan Rice, Arsenal, uh, James Wood Prowse, West Ham. What do we judge impact on? Is it the price tag? Is it how they embed into the team? Is it how they. They score goals. I mean, because actually Zobertzla, if you look if you look at all those other names that I've mentioned, his impact has been a little bit quieter, really, than perhaps you might say James Madison or Bellingham at Real Madrid. How would we gauge his impact at, at Liverpool? Is it because the team is now singing better? Or is it this individual je ne sais quoi? I think you have to judge a player on how well he performs the duties and the role that the manager is asking him to do. And uh, I think that everyone would agree that he's doing it to, I don't want to say perfection, but it doesn't leave much to be desired. And as a result, he's made Liverpool better. He's made Liverpool's midfield better. Uh, He's brought a lot of energy and authority to a very key position. Every system is slightly different. I mean, if you want to compare him to Bellingham, Bellingham plays like a nine and a half. He's both a number 10 and a 
and a centre forward at the moment, so he's going to score more goals. Uh, this is not to diminish his impact, which has been unbelievable, but we can't judge Soposlai on the same criteria because he's nowhere near uh, that position for Liverpool. And we know traditionally, historically, that Liverpool's midfield under Jurgen Klopp isn't supposed to score goals anyway. They, their job is, is a very specific one to, to really bridge the gap that would otherwise exist between defence and, and attack rather than become necessarily part of the uh, attack so much. So, yeah, I mean, Liverpool had a vacancy, if not if not two or three. <laughs> and Sofosly has filled that vacancy with, with huge aplomb and is now, as Neil has said, a cast iron starter every single time. So judge him on that. Judge him on the criteria of the specific job at the specific club in question. Yes, a, a player like that is going to cost a, a bit of money, but uh, if he'd cost half the money, we could praise Liverpool even more. But that doesn't affect his performance and what he's doing on the pitch. I think just in general on the summer signings, I think it's an under-discussed point so far in a lot of Premier League-wide coverage, which is I think a lot of clubs have just got it right. Over the course of the summer, I think one of the reasons why the quality of the football, especially but not solely in the top 10 in the Premier League, has gone up a notch is that I think that players... I don't think it's the idea that people are buying better or worse players. I think they're buying better fits for what they're about in the moment and where they find themselves. So if you just scroll through the biggest and most expensive signings in the Premier League across the summer just gone, there's not many in there that you'd say even so far, haven't made you go, well, I can see why that makes sense. Even if players haven't taken flight 100%, Hoyland's a good example at Man United. You can see exactly what Manchester United have invested in and why. You know, and you can see why that could fit over a, pe- over a period of time. And I think that over and over now, I think it's one of the things that's shifted, I think, in the last two or three years is that I just think in general, Premier League clubs are recruiting better. Does his sort of quiet impact suit where Liverpool are as well? I feel Liverpool have made a bit of a quiet impact in the Premier League this season. Um, We spoke about, you know, perhaps all eyes aren't on Liverpool based on Arsenal and Manchester City and what they've been doing and obviously Manchester United. Does that suit where Liverpool are right now? A a player that's efficient, but not quite, you know, out there dazzling um, for, for the layman to see. Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted with the Tottenham Hotspur turn of events. They're like a loose horse in the Grand National. Let them let them distract everyone uh, for as long as possible. I've long argued that there'll be a wonderful Martin Samuel piece uh, written in March about why Tottenham are the best team in the country, and yet they'll be sixth. Uh, and by the way, James Madison should definitely start in the next <laughs> tournament for England. Um, no shadow of a doubt, that'll be the tone of the piece as it'll come through there. And, and I'm looking forward to that one appearing. Tottenham are perfect uh, from a Liverpool point of view. Let everyone talk, talk about them, look at them. Uh, we're just going to win some games, and the next three are massive. I think if Liverpool win the next three, they turn up to the Etihad, at worst one point behind Manchester City, but very, very clearly going at a points per game ratio, which suggests that they can they can sustain it over the course of the campaign and look at getting more than 90. I didn't think we'd necessarily be in that position. I felt as though we were underrated before a ball was kicked at the start of the season. Uh, but Sobers lies a key part of, of, of why Liverpool look as though they could put that together. This campaign, which I think will come a little bit earlier than people might have anticipated. I think there's loads and loads of reasons to be cheerful and there's lots of things to talk up but I absolutely love North London teams doing well when they're effectively never going to win anything because it distracts everybody <laughs> I mean shots fired there uh, at North London I mean they'll come for you they'll come for you Neil honestly they'll come for you Rafa I mean for, for, for Jurgen Klopp if we if we go by Neil's hypothesis th- this works quite well for him to get his job done to, to, to under the radar yeah and I think the, the fact that no one's really that excited is because 
there isn't that much of a story here. I mean, Liverpool are playing good football mm. under Jurgen Klopp. What did you expect? I mean, last season was was bad. That was a story. Uh, now it's back to business uh, as usual. Uh, the same with City. I mean, City is is not a team that anyone's very excited at the moment, especially with Haaland not scoring. But, you know, they are where they are and uh, there's a probably an 80% chance that they will win the Premier League again. So I think for Klopp, a lot of things have gone right. I think the recruitment this summer could have still been a little bit better when it comes to holding midfielder. I think that is still a question mark. Uh, we have to see how Endo develops. Um, so far, he started one game and was not quite ready, I think, away to Newcastle. Uh, let's see if he can make the step up. And otherwise, Soboslai, for me, for reasons that we mentioned, has been the surprise success in that position, which has completely changed, I think, the dynamic of the midfield. And then up front and at the back, it's all the usual suspects playing pretty well. So I think as a neutral, it's hard to get excited uh, about this Liverpool team because you kind of just think, OK, yeah, well, here they are back again, uh, winning most of the games. All right, let's end it there. Neil, Mark and Rafa. Absolute pleasure to have you with us and it really is so good to be back as well. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic today for just one ninety nine a month for 12 months at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beal. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. For more on Dominic Sobotzlai as he celebrates his 23rd birthday, make sure you check out the Athletic's dedicated Liverpool podcast, Walk On. Here's a flavour of what you can expect on the latest show. He's the first midfielder, I think, in the, in the Klopp era who's, who's really got me excited, I think. Because in the Klopp era, it's mainly been you know the forwards and the, the, the wider fullbacks who've done this sort of more eye-catching things. Whereas... Zobosly seems to be able to to do that on, on, on the other side of the game, which I think again is is sort of a reflection of how the team's changed over the last couple of years and what they're trying to do now. Yeah, I mean, up until this summer, the midfield was about it was a functional unit, providing balance, protecting the back four, pressing, not really a creative unit. But I mean, things have changed completely, and and much of the perceptions are all down to him. You know, he's changed the way we look at the Liverpool midfield. The Athletic.